Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes. Ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of the Real Estate Show here on A3OWCCO. Chris and Andy uh, in studio, and they'll be introducing their special guest, who actually is part of the show. I was going to no say, yeah. I mean, he's not so special anymore. Yeah, he's part of the part, part of the team. Still special, like however. The wallpaper. Yeah. What are we going to be talking about uh, this uh, this day, guys? Uh, it's our our guest here is Travis Whitford with Bay Equity. All right, home loans, and uh, I think it's something that we're all kind of running into. Um, actually, just lately, is uh, investment loans and investment properties. Uh, I myself just sold. Uh, you know, I told you, I've been telling you, I've been liquidating mm-hmm. my properties yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, just got rid of Hopefully one. Hopefully by choice. Yeah, yeah it's by <laughs> choice. <laughs> I'm done with it. But uh been doing it for a long time. And uh, I'll tell you what, I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those things that I there's, and I think we're going to get into it, but there's a lot of, I think, tricks. I mean, depending on uh, what you're trying to accomplish. And I think I would have switched it if I could go back 20 years ago and uh, and redo it. Uh, one of the things I would have done was get them closer together, mm-hmm. get all the properties closer together because that's when, I mean, when you talk about repairs and if you're not handy, mm-hmm. like me, um, that, you know, you got to get people out there to be able to work. And if they're all closer together, I mean, you can kind of knock off two or three things at a time rather than each day they have to go to another place and, mm-hmm. and do driving. So we, uh, we had properties from Northfield to Minneapolis out to the West area in Excelsior. And so when you have that big of a uh, circumference, it's, it's just not, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't pay. Mm. <laughs> you, know, <is> <laughs> you seem I'm, really I'm, interested. I'm trying to be funny. I, uh, <laughs> no, I agree with you, man. I think that there's a, a huge advantage to having geography on your side, but what you have to do though, is remember this, unless you want to move into the hot areas, you have to look at what the return on investment is, Denny. I mean, you you look at like some areas when in in the actually you look at the Star Tribune and there's actually a section in there that gives an example of the rents that are being paid in certain cities. So you can decide like, well, my gosh, you know, like for an example, in my area, you'll say Anoka, they'll say a three bedroom, two bath, whatever will rent for this many dollars. Across the street, basically, you jump down into North Minneapolis and it's six hundred dollars a month more to live in North Minneapolis than it is to live in Anoka. Mm. You can buy the properties for less, for an example, in North Minneapolis. And so there's 
there, or, you know, and I'm not just picking North Minneapolis. There's a lot of right. great opportunities or what I call pockets that have good returns. And so, Chris, the interesting part is, is if you live in a nicer area and then, you know, what is your advice to the listener that wants to be an investor? But let's say that there's nothing that's, quote, affordable. You know, you live in, a, in a, you know, some areas like a, you name the city and let's say you live in a nicer house and then now you're investing and you want to be close. But I think that there's there's a little bit of a fallacy of, you know, um, having that perfect storm. I think that there's, if you do have where, let's say you live in Minnetonka or something like that and you're, you're a beautiful home and then you have all your investment properties in New Hope or something like that or concentrated in New Hope or something or wherever. And not that there's anything wrong with New Hope. Again, I'm, I'm not uh, trying no, to exactly. label cities, but I'm just saying. You know. Right. Yeah, I think whatever you do, I think if you just keep your rental properties in the same vicinity, you know, because that's where the yeah. workers are going, whether or not wherever you live, I don't think that uh, really matters. But mm-hmm. when you were talking about that, I was thinking about different um, concepts or theories on owning rental properties mm-hmm. and which kind that you buy. You know, some people just buy luxury type homes mm-hmm. and get the higher end, um, higher end client, you know, and and that higher end client is typically someone that's. Uh, maybe moving into the area, they're not sure what their job is going to take them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're willing to pay probably a little more. There's some that um, are going to be building. We just had one of our uh, rentals get uh, rented because these people were building. They were willing to pay a premium, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to do a six-month lease. Yeah. So yep. there's a lot of ways in which to do it. Some people say, hey, you're not moving in unless you have actually a year lease. Right. Because one of the big things is then people don't think about is turnover. Mm-hmm. And when you turn over, it's not just, I mean, okay, let's just say, hey, it's rented till the end of September. You know, it's available October 1st. If you have a single-family type home or um, really anything, to get it ready for October 1st mm-hmm. is almost impossible. Right. So you typically lose a month, mm-hmm. and then you take all that time to be able to kind of redo it and repaint. And, you know, you might need carpet. You might need tile. You, I mean, appliances might be bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you take that time, and you lose a lot of money that way. So there's... Just just a, a lot of theories. I mean, the longer somebody stays in a unit, I mean, it might be smart. If you're if you're renting for $1,200 a month, mm-hmm. you know, um, and someone wants to sign a three-year lease, it might be smart to go to 1100 a month. Give them a break. You know, there's some people that pay up front. They pay up a, a, a ton of money up front. Mm-hmm. Is that worth it or is that not worth it? Right. No, I think that there's – what's neat is that it really sounds like as, you know, if I'm a listener listening to what you're saying – there's different pockets of rentals that are in demand in, in all price points. And so, you know, like you're saying, there's not a rental property. I think some people think I have to be a slumlord to be a rental, you know, investor owner. And that is not the case at all. Actually, it's the opposite. I think that there's more demand for really nice, clean houses, like you said, with a shorter term lease, because the way we live nowadays, we're moving, we're maybe our family's transitioning. Maybe you have somebody, you know, there's a baby here, there's a baby they went to college. There's a, you know, a divorce. There's a death. There's a, and so rentals, I believe, are a fantastic tool for a lot of people in transition. There's a huge opportunity there, but the disadvantage is, is the moving in and the moving out. So can you design your rental properties to be a transition style rental property versus a longer term hold property? Right. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, like I was just saying about some of those people that are like building and they just need something short term, they're going to pay a heck of a lot more for that home you know, to be able to use it. So that's, I mean, that's a, a business strategy mm-hmm. uh, that you might take. You know, when when I first got going, uh, do you guys remember Carlton Sheets? I love Remember Carlton Sheets? Sheets? You remember him. The king of the trailer parts. Yeah, but he yeah. was on, you know, because when we only had channels 4, 5, whatever, 9 and 11, 
Um, he would be on it late night and, yep. you know, how to buy houses for a dollar or make them pay you a thousand dollars to buy, take their house. And, you know, as I watched that, that was getting me excited. But one of the things that I thought, what my theory was, is that I'm going to buy um, starter homes, mm-hmm. starter homes, because, um, you know, when the market's really good, the starter homes go up as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. And then when the market's bad, people need something to rent. And so mm-hmm. I could have affordable rent. Yeah. The one thing I didn't quite calculate, obviously the lo- location thing, but the other thing that I didn't quite calculate was the repairs that it needed over those times. Right. You know, and so by the time I got, you know, 15 years into those homes, I mean, you, I re- I've replaced everything on that house. You know, that takes a lot of your profit away, yeah. you know, when when you're doing that. Yeah, Chris, as a as an investor, what what do you feel is a, a good cushion to have per unit or per property? Like a couple months worth of rent, or what? What do you feel? Would you be mean a, to if I'm going to get into the well, investment? It, no, property? just as the reserves that you would need for all the repairs that you do on the turnover and stuff like that to have a nice starting nest egg that you feel is a, a good number, so people don't have to uh, use credit question. cards to. That's a, that's a great question, but. I think it depends on how you get into it at the beginning. You know, uh, if it's a home that needs a lot of repairs, we talk about buying existing versus new construction. You know, new construction, we're not going to have any repairs. Don't really need much money. But if you have a home that's kind of that older area, I mean, all of a sudden you start replacing a furnace. I mean, where it's five, six thousand dollars, you know, in a couple AC units. I mean, you're you're in you're in big trouble in a hurry. So I don't know. I guess um, I. Well, Ten grand at least, yeah, in, in reserve. Well, I was going to say there's different there's different reasons why people buy rental properties. I mean, there's everything from you know, Chris. We've talked about this. Some some of your more institutional or bigger investors are looking at what's the cap rate. You know, like what kind of a return for the right. amount of money that they put in there. Then there's the cash flow kind of guy that like what you're talking about, Travis. Where your question was payment centric, like, well, how much do you put away or how much do you? And that's how most first time investors look at things. Is like, okay. If I have a payment on this, if I'm buying a property, taking the risk with the payment, and then is there any cash flow, for an example? So even if the property devalues 50%, but you have $300 a month positive cash flow, you can look at that as a win, for an example. Or the next guy like you over the years, I'm sure when you have good income years, you use tools like that to depreciate against your income. So, I mean, there's there's lots of valuable ways to use investment properties as a tool to further your net worth. And, and I think that, you know, a lot, it just depends. And like we've talked about, there was... We had five different I, – I, I used to be a certified investment guy back in the day, and I, I kind of let that uh, credit, accreditation expire. But we used to have five investors. We I, had, didn't, I didn't know this about you. I know. That's impressive. Just, you know, the resume is only so long. And it just got, keeps you know, coming, Denny. It's, it's on 15 pages, and I figured that was too yeah. much. But Can we know, go you, to break yet? <laughs> go ahead. Let me, let me warm up my resume one more time. The, uh, no, but you get first-time investors, right? You've got the move-up investors. You've got portfolio investors, the rehab investors, and then the performance investors. And ultimately, everybody's looking for something different. And what's interesting is that when you meet with somebody like you or I, we're going to sit down and we're going to say, what's important to you guys? Is it important to have the cash flow? Is it important? Like, let's say somebody pays cash for a property and they're looking on the cash on cash returns versus instead of, say, you have a, a half million dollar investment property versus saying, let's buy five properties, put $100,000 down on each, and then the cash on cash return is way better. And I know we have to go to break, but on the opposite side, we have to look for what that buyer wants. But from a seller, knowing what those buyers are looking for and creating that for them will bring you more money. We can talk about that, Absolutely. Too. All right. We'll do more real estate talk here on News Talk 830 WCCO, the real estate show here on CCO. Stay with us.
And welcome back to The Real Estate Show here on CCO Radio. Chris and Andy is, uh, in studio. And again, for those who may be joining, joining us a little bit late, who did you bring with you today? It's, it's big Travis Whitford, Bay Equity Home Loans. And we're going to talk about how to finance these properties and kind of get more into that since Andy's uh, formerly accredited mm-hmm. uh, investor guy, which is I don't know. It's probably huge. Actually, during the break here, he kind of <laughs> threw out a bunch of stuff. I was pretty impressed. So Blew the hopefully dust, we'll hear about it. Blow the dust off of it. But here's what, yeah. the reason why I bring it up, though, and because I think it's a valid direction for a lot of people listening to go. You're uncertain about what's happening in the world. You're, you're a little nervous about stock market. You're a little bit nervous about whatever. And, and historically, real estate has been a fantastic vehicle for wealth growth. You know, And it's like as an investor that's in real estate, beyond where we live or you know, I'm seeing a lot of people now, especially younger folks, saying like, hey, I want to live over, you know, um, Sheldon neighborhood and I want to have, you know, a duplex and I want to rent out one side and live in the other and have the other person paying my mortgage. You know, Travis, that's why we brought Travis along is to talk about some of this strategy and to say, hey, is that even a, a realistic possibility for a young buyer? You know, how much money do we have to have down? Is it is it realistic dream? Well, the young Carlton Sheets we're talking about. Yeah. That's getting into the investment world. How does that person young, get into that? Young Carlton? Well, I was young at one okay. time. Yeah. <laughs> well, how, um, first and foremost, the uh, finance properties that are truly designated as an investment property, meaning you are not occupying the property. It it starts with you know down payment. You know, depending on if the property is a single family home or a two to four unit property, you're going to have different down payment requirements. Um, typically. On a uh, single-family home investment property, you're looking at 15% down. However, I, I recommend trying to get to 20 or 25% down. Just uh, pricing's better, better interest rates, whatnot. Um, when you buy multifamily properties, meaning just two to four units, because anything over four units is commercial world of financing, um, minimum down payment then is is, is 25%. So. Yeah. It's how do you go about getting that money? You know, it's do you have it all saved up? Do you have equity in your primary house where you could maybe do a home equity loan to do it? If you have a 401k, maybe you could borrow against. Um, you just can't use gift funds uh, and investment property purchases. Hmm. So, so mom and dad can't help out even if they wanted to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could, but you'd have to be strategic with it. They'd have to give you that money plenty in advance. So it's, you know, you have sources. Yeah, like six months funds. or more. Outside of three months, you know, as we have to look at the last 60 days of bank statements. And if you get a big deposit from mom and dad to help out, or maybe mom and dad just goes on the contract with you. And mm-hmm. then, you know, then it can be their funds and everything else. How about gotcha. a guy or gal who wants to just start kind of doing the investment properties? They're single, um, got a good income. They can uh, buy a house. I mean, can you purchase it as owner? Occupant, yeah, and that's a it? that's a really great strategy, and I have quite a few clients that are you know doing this. You know, they they have the the long play or the long game in play. You know, so they buy their first house. You know, using you know three five percent down. You know, whatever it is, uh, owner occupied financing. They live there for a year, then they convert that house to a rental property, and then they go buy a new primary residence. You know, so you just go, so that way you can take advantage of the lesser down payment that you need so you can leverage your, you know, your your down payment money and just can slowly but surely convert that prior property to uh, rental. You know, downside is of something like that is, you know, you're moving every year, you know, and a lot of times people don't like to do that. But if you try to, to accumulate yeah. without a lot of money, though, correct, you know, and, and that... 
that's down payment is what stops a lot of people. I mean, I remember when we were kind of doing it, I would have to save up all my money and then we go buy one. Then I go save up all my money and then you go buy one. And then there was a time at a time there was all this, I mean, where the financing was unbelievable that they were taking the equity from the other places. And then we were able to finance some of the other ones. So then you started kind of building them quicker, but, uh, you know, that's, you just, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul on that one. And then the market shifted. And then, you know, when people weren't making mortgage payments, mm-hmm. the other thing they weren't doing is making rent payments, Correct. you know, and that was, uh, <laughs> and that was kind of a problem, <laughs> but, uh, made it through. So, well, but you know, and I look at that is that everybody was looking in that environment was looking to the appreciation of the properties, right? So they, everybody was banking on, it'd be worth 7%, 6% more the next year than it was this year. So that equity position keeps growing, allowing them to borrow more and more against it. But in the economy that we were in at the time, where all of a sudden it, it slowed down, what it made them very unattractive very fast. And then you found investors with portfolios where they used to have, you know, 10, 15% equity. Now they're down to 3% equity, some of them even, you know, or 5% equity. And then there's this huge portfolio of negatively producing cash flow. It, it got really ugly really fast. And the thing that's interesting, and I, Travis, I, the, the, the pros and the cons. The cons of an investment property, when it's categorized as an investment property, it's a different process if you are foreclosed on. Than if, or if, you know, the bank wants that property back, there's different repercussions for that. You know, there's, there's not the protection that you normally get when it's a primary residence, so you have to be very careful. Yeah, especially if there's any uh, subordinate financing on that investment properties. Um, subordinate financing meaning like a, a second mortgage that you might have taken out on it at some point in time. There could be mm-hmm. some uh, other ramifications with uh, with that loan. Cool. I'll tell you, the, the thing that I've seen and the most successful, other than the big ones, you know, the people that are buying the big apartment buildings and stuff like that, the most successful ones I've I've seen from an investor standpoint that have good cash flow and they have good equity and they're kind of set right now is what we were just talking about is those persons that kind of started and bought them themselves. They're typically handy. They mm-hmm. can do a lot of that stuff themselves and they just kind of move from property to property, kind of accumulated this thing. And now they're picking them up kind of um, uh, left and right. And uh, it's just, it, it's really uh, interesting to me that they didn't have to, didn't think they had to buy a, a million of them, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, there's a lot of people that are retired that maybe have a couple rental properties that are completely paid off. Maybe add that with Social Security, and they have a, I mean, a nice little, a little life. Absolutely. You know, you know, you were talking about in the break time. We we're talking about, you know, just trying to improve those houses each year. Mm-hmm. You know, because you could finance that money. So let's just say you didn't owe anything, mm-hmm. and you wanted to get a twenty-five thousand dollar. Uh, repair and to make this thing nicer to be able to get the rent up, you know, a couple hundred dollars. Well, on twenty five thousand, you know, from a repair thing, you might be spending fifty, mm-hmm. you know, fifty dollars a month, whatever. Yeah. And you know, now you're making one hundred and fifty more uh, a month in that. And mm-hmm. rentals right now are huge. And the other thing that's huge right now, Andy, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you know this, but is um, kind of in the in the city area, duplexes mm-hmm. where people are buying one side, living in it, and then renting out the other. To eventually move out and rent the whole thing, but those things have appreciated so much. Oh, yeah. Crazy! I've got three I of them coming th- up. That's the thing I was going to say. I was well, go ahead and you want to talk about that first? No, no. I was going to say that that's that's something that I think a lot of the suburban areas and suburban cities are missing the boat on. You know, in our world that we live in, you need to provide housing that's stable. Duplexes are more stable than single family homes in a lot of cases when you have owner occupants on one side and a family member or whatever on the other side. And I think that a lot of these cities that don't allow duplexes to be built, they just they think it's like taboo. 
And I think it's just the opposite. I think those are the most stable sometimes um, in a in a community because they're usually smaller investor owned. Um, the person that owns it usually has pride and ownership. They're not a big corporation or they're not a slumlord because they actually care because they live in the one side. And I think that there's there's a we need to really as cities take a fresh look at what is a rental property versus a uh, an opportunity for someone to make income off of where they live. Well, what about I mean, it's like being a farmer, almost, yeah. you know what I mean? When Having f- land that makes money. Families, I mean, mm-hmm. parents having them next door to you. Perfect. You know, I mean, you still got your privacy, but hey, you're right there for them. They still kind of got a life, you know, yep. where they don't, you know, and they well, can we've still heard babysit your parents, the kids. Your parents will not let you move back in, Chris. So. We don't have to talk about this again. They're begging me to move in with me. Yeah, just just recently I had uh, some clients that there was a mother-daughter combo. They bought a duplex together. One lived on one side. The other lived on the other side. That's sweet. So they're very, very close. And well, yeah, yeah, right and, there. But then, yeah, so they still have dinner together every night. But if you don't want to see mom or don't want to see dad. How about estate planning, too, mm-hmm. in that situation, too? I mean, it might make well, that we've easier. even seen it, you know, like the hotels that have the doors between, they have locks on both sides. Right. We have the same thing. I had a couple duplexes up in Columbus, uh, or uh, Columbia Heights, excuse me, that we sold last year that had that, where they had the door between the two units. And so the families, when they wanted to, could share, you know, each other's company. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> I have to think about that about my home. <laughs> hey, dear, I'll see you next week. Honey, <laughs> you're, you're on that side. <laughs> All right. We have to take a break. We'll have a more real estate show coming up here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. And welcome back to this portion of the real estate show. We're around every Saturday in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Thanks uh, for joining us. Chris and Andy, where do we, uh, uh, and again, Travis for those, yeah, Travis is here too. Uh, what are we talking about for, for the folks joining us a little bit late today? Yeah, we've been talking a lot about investment properties, kind mm-hmm. of uh, Theories, uh, business plans, uh, financing part of it. I think here's another uh, aspect that, you know, a lot of people have cabins, you know, and mm-hmm. want to go to them, but you don't get to them that often. And there's obviously a, a new phenomenon that's been going around for a few years now called the VRBO, yep. you know, uh, so it's a rental by owner. How does financing work for all of that? kind of thing. So you're staying within the guidelines. Yeah. Well, when you buy a vacation home or second home, you know, that falls under uh, that falls under second home financing. And the benefit of that, as opposed to um, true non-owner occupied investment property finances, number one, A, the down payment's cheaper. You know, you only have to do 10% down for a second home. Um, number two, the interest rates are better. The interest rates fall in line with uh, um, primary residence houses as opposed to uh, non-owner occupied. But what I'm starting to see a lot here with uh, clients of mine and just clients of, uh, you know, uh, some of my loan officers is there's a lot of people that do own cabins that are now starting to rent them out, you know, weeks at a time throughout the summer. And um, a lot of times they, you know, rent it for, say, six weeks out of the summer. So they're, I mean, they're not up there every summer or every week, you know, they're not up there every month, you know, why not, you know, rent it out to a family, you know, they could probably rent it for, you know, two, three months and get their mortgage payment paid for the year. Mm-hmm. Is that is that within the guidelines of the mortgage on a second home? Well, when you, as a purchase transaction, kind of the guideline for a second home is it has to be more than 50 miles away. If it's less than 50 miles away, it has to be like in a vacation type area, you know, like on a lake, in a... I had one one mile away from me, but it was, I was not on the lake and this was a cabin on the lake. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's things like that, but when, you know, when you're buying it as a second home, I mean, they don't, there's your rental intention is not known at that time, but 
let's say later on in life, you know, a couple of years down the road, you have done a little bit of renting on it and you want to refinance that, uh, that thing. Um, basically on your tax returns, there's a spot for on the, the schedule E where, where you claim your rental income. How many days was that property fair market available for fair market rent? And if that's under 180 to, or hundred under six months or under half the year, you know, you can keep all that stuff as a second home oh, really? transaction later on. It used to be a period of time where if you had any rent on it, it was a non-owner occupier or as an investment property, no ifs, ands, or buts. But things have changed a little bit, and um, they give it, they're giving people the benefit of the doubt that, you know, are still utilizing it as a second home for more than half the year, but not penalizing them to, to do a, a future transaction on that property and just, because they're getting a little bit of rent on and it. Just a little advice. For those of you thinking of doing this, you need to understand that your neighbors may not be excited about this up at the lake. Because they don't want to see people that they don't know coming up to the lake or acting irresponsibly. Somebody that's on vacation in a rental property might act a little crazier than the guy that lives there. So what happens is that they get turned, like Travis, <laughs> all the fingers start pointing. No. Um, the idea there, though, is this, is that the cities now, a lot like up in Alexandria and a few of these other areas, have started enforcing where they're saying, is it a rental property or not? And that there there's rules coming from a city ordinance perspective as well because – the, the rental property, it's kind of like being Uber, you know, well, are they licensed? Are they insured? Are they, you know, what if you get in a car accident? Same thing happens with a single family home. So all I would say is this, spend a little time, do the research, talk to the city and see if they're okay with this. Tell them exactly what you're doing. See if they're fine with it. Make sure that you're licensed properly. And then secondly, talk to your neighbors, do the, do them the effort of, of just saying, Hey, this is what I'm planning on doing a couple times a year. Um, we're not going to do anything but keep improving this property. This, you know, is a, a strategy for growth of wealth, and I'm just trying to build my portfolio and see what they say. And if they're great about it, even maybe they get involved. Maybe they're the ones that turn the lights on and vacuum the floors for you for 75 bucks before the next people show up. You know what I mean? You never know. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. you got to make sure you got to check out with, with wherever you're at because there are, and a lot of them are doing it like a minimum of two weeks. But I know of other people that are, are trying to get around that two-week thing by saying it's for two weeks, charging them for one week, and then they just kind of come back and use it the other week. You know, so everyone, there's workarounds, you know, that everyone's doing. Um, you obviously don't, uh, it, you shouldn't be doing that. I mean, it, it's the same with like your, your financing, you know. You got to know what that not, loan not, was Chris, intended to be. Not everybody takes our advice and always follows the rules and goes to the city and talks to the city. Right. I say that for a reason because yeah. I think that we want to project the right image of what they should people listening should do. But on the other hand, people do what they want to do anyway. So I mean, there are a lot of people that break the rules, and there's a lot of people though that you know, especially in hard times, they would use this as a vehicle to help pay that mortgage to keep you know going. And that's it's. I'd rather see somebody turn something into a rental and keep paying their mortgage instead of losing it and devaluing it. Yeah, I uh, I laugh because when you say that, it's like as, from a real estate standpoint, we have to say that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, one time I was sitting at a table and this guy's just like, geez, I, I I just wish this place would burn down. And I said, you know, I know a guy. And he goes, and he looks straight at me like, with, he goes, you do? And I go, no, I do not know a guy. <laughs> no, I don't. But it was like, it was like, no, oh my God. You know, so no, I don't know a guy that'll oh, do that boy. for you. <laughs> Back to investment properties. <laughs> I got a guy that'll mow the grass, but not to... yeah, exactly. Not lighter on fire for you. So fill up the fridge, maybe. Yeah, I'll tell you. The other thing is, is when you're when you're trying to, um, you know, sell your rental property, the best thing you can do is and this is what people do when they sell businesses too. You see a lot of companies when they're preparing to sell a business, 
they start getting rid of people, you know, and they start getting the bottom line to be bigger because it's based off the bottom line. And that's the same with rental properties. And so mm-hmm. getting the rents raised. Well, that, that's important. the oldest trick in the rule or the, in the book is when you're, you're selling your big apartment building and right before you sell it, you raise the rents a hundred dollars a month. So it shows this ridiculous, great return on investment. And then all of a sudden they get a higher, they sell it for a higher price because the rents are higher. Right. In the meantime, 50% of the people just gave notices that they're leaving the building. But you know, that in that world, that's why you gotta be really careful. The bigger of the investment property, the smarter, the more strategic people will be with you. That's the more careful and the more I would advise people to hire a professional to guide them because oh, for sure. some of these tricks are being played all the time, like you're saying there, Chris. And all of a sudden you buy an investment property that's a literally a dud because, you know, the information was a little cloudy as yeah, I mean, reality. when you're talking a, big, a bigger unit like that, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of due diligence in there. Yeah, do the five uh, year to be able to do that. Yeah, and 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 yeah, you can look back past mm-hmm. on sales like in in business. I mean, you might go back three or five years. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll go back ten. So you can't just totally do it, but it's it's kind of like showing, hey, th- here's what it's doing. So um, I think that I don't know. That's uh, it's an important thing to be able to do because you want to show that property at its best. Well, make sure you hire the right agent, right? I think that what we're both saying is that due diligence is probably the best investment you can make in yourself beyond the property itself. So, I think it's time for a break. Right. We have more show to come. Uh, we hope you stay with us. This is The Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. And welcome back to this portion of The Real Estate Show. We're around every Saturday in the uh, 10 o'clock hour here on CCO. Uh, Chris and Andy and Travis, uh, we've got a few minutes left. Where are we going to go from here? Yeah, I mean, first of all, maybe we should let them know how to get a hold of Travis. I mean, you guys don't mm-hmm. just do um, investment loans, but you do single-family loans, refinance, all that fun stuff. Yep. Uh, best way to get a hold of me is travismnloans.com or oh. 651-755-3086. 3086. Okay, good deal. Nice. Um, Andy. Yeah. Appreciation, depreciation. Okay. Let's... Talk about that. Well, okay. So, you know, those are those are great um, topics because I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, Denny, that there's actually a uh, ability for someone beyond just all of the rents and the whatever, that there's a way to actually affect your current income. Sometimes better. Sometimes better. Yeah. And a lot of people buy, you know, especially higher income earners or let's say that, you know, you have a job or one year you can make a big swing, you know, with bonuses and whatever. But anyway, depreciation. So let's take a property that's worth $100,000 and you put your money down on it. So you have a... Um, a what they call a basis rate, let's say of eighty five thousand. So you've put, you know, so I think least, that's what the actual the actual building is worth, not right. the land value. So they'll take like, hey, here's the depreciable asset. Yep, is eighty five thousand. And then we have twenty seven and a half years, or three point six percent roughly per year that you can depreciate that property against your current income. Now, a couple of years ago, they had accelerated depreciation. They were doing some fun things with it, would allow you to take bigger lump sums. And, uh, but anyway, the idea there is, is that, so that, for an example, that would be a $3,000, you know, tax deduction against maybe your, the average person's income, um, that you on your income taxes don't pay. But now when you depreciate a property, for an example, over the years, some people depreciate them all the way down to zero, which means when you sell that property, everything, every dollar you capture is considered, uh, you know, cap in some cases, capital gains, um, susceptible, so then you've depreciated, but then some people don't want to ever sell them. When they've depreciated them to zero, they usually let their family inherit them or whatever. Appreciation is different. Appreciation is what the property value goes up in over the years. So that $100,000 property, let's say this year it went up 7%, like everything else in the Twin Cities, now it's worth one hundred seven. That's $7,000 of appreciation. I consider appreciation to be a complete gift, and I never count on it with investment properties. But That's it's- how I should have looked at mine. It's just a complete <laughs> gift because <laughs> then I didn't get no presents. 
<laughs> go, go ahead. I'll wrap up that $30,000 loss for you, pal, in a bow. Um, no, but, you know, the, the idea there is is that there is appreciation. That's that bonus factor. So all of a sudden you own that property for how many years, and, you know, you've put investment into it, you've, you've done the, the balancing act, and all of a sudden you've depreciated down to nothing, and now the property's worth this. It's, it's a nice it's a nice scenario to have. And, you know, or if you need to, like you said, Chris, when back in the day when everything was appreciating, they were letting you refinance against those properties and use that cash in there to, to purchase more. So, But the whole idea is is also is that you're, you know, you're depreciating during your earning years. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when you're not making as much, you know, the tax, tax is, is less. And so right. when you sell it. But a lot of people use another vehicle called the 1031 exchange yep. where they move that investment property into something else. And then mm-hmm. sometimes they take that property, uh, that nice duplex that they had in uh, Minneapolis that they mm-hmm. lived – maybe lived on one side for a couple of years and then rented it out 30 years later, they don't owe anything on it. Yep. And they take that and 1031 it into a Florida condo, mm-hmm. you know, that's a rental. And then they go move into it right. after a couple of years. Right. You can do that. And then you got to talk to your tax account about that. But mm-hmm. uh, that's what a lot of people end up doing. Yep. And that was always, that was always my plan is to buy it here. Cause everyone mm-hmm. was like, Oh, let's go buy something in Florida. You, know, you can't see it. Mm-hmm. You can't see it or touch it. I had one uh, a buddy of mine, good friend of mine, that uh, went down there, and it was kind of during the, the rise period. He bought three different times. It got up to a $160,000 lot. He just ended up selling it last year for $12,000, you know? Jeez. Yeah. So <laughs> that was the burrowing owl and some some oh. turtle that came on there. So it was actually worth less than what it was, but he got the neighbor to buy it because you had to you had to remove those things. And so he could, it was crazy. Probably the buyer strategically planting those exactly. things to get the price down. over there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way. It sounds like a Rooney move. Um, get the owls, plant them. Yeah. Don't talk about my father like that. <laughs> hey, you know, the, the other thing, you know, uh, Danny, I think a lot of our investors and, and, you know, Travis too, I'm sure you see this. They look at the newer investors look strictly at cash flow. You know, what does it cost me? What do I make right now in real cash in my wallet? And cash flow is a nice thing, but there's, there are people that, you know, like Chris and I have sold investment properties where they're losing $300, $500 a month because of they're taking advantage of the depreciation or they're taking advantage of other things that are available other than just the cash flow. So, you know, um, it, there's a lot of moving parts there, I guess. And, and so what I really always say is you sit down with somebody like Travis, you figure out what you what you have available to you for options, and you talk to somebody like Chris or I where we actually can say, hey, let's get out there and make what's important for you. Are you trying to take some burden off your current tax liabilities? Or are you trying to, you know, long-term strategy, just build wealth? Or, you know, what what's the strategy? And then you go out there with different investment goggles on because there's so many different kinds of investments available. But it's it's an exciting environment to be in. Yeah, and it's it is it's in what you want to purchase too. It's kind of like people that buy multi units; they're kind mm-hmm. of hedging their bet. You know, if one goes vacant, they still got three people paying. Mm-hmm. You know, a single family, if someone goes, you're not getting any money. Right. But typically, in a single family, they'll stay longer. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of one of those things. But I'll tell you what: if I if I'm kind of a beginner investor and I'm getting into the investment thing, mm-hmm. if you are handy. I think that's it's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, those expenses when you don't know, because it's when, when someone calls you up and on a Sunday mm-hmm. and says, you know what, my toilet doesn't work, or, you know, this and that. You get to call a plumber to go out there, mm-hmm. you know, rather than you being able to go out there and kind of Jimmy rig or figure something out. I mean, it's a huge difference. Oh, big time. So, I mean, are yeah, you finding another, that with? Yeah, another good thing that I, I've had a lot of clients do, um, like, like HomeSmart or, I mean, Excel or CenterPoint, they have various protections on some of the appliances. So 
you know, Smart. 20 bucks a month or whatever to cover, you know, four different appliances. If something goes wrong with it, the tenant just well, and calls. the furnace. So when yeah, you get for, that call on Sunday yeah. night, it goes to Excel, not you. Right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, a, a cheap protection to have. I tell you what, let's find out again how to get in touch with you, Travis, and then we'll find out about these guys. Yeah, TravisMNLoans.com. All right. Andy? Uh, hit me at Prasky. That's my last name, P-R-A-S-K-Y.com. And ChrisRooney.com is the other one. All right. So it's the Would internet you, people. Let's uh, do this again next week. What do you say? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. We, again, will be back next Saturday morning at 10 here on News Talk 830 WCCO. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.